Welcome to episode 16 of Night Shift. My name is Mike Stubbs. Kyle Grimard is off today. He will return for our next episode, which will come out a little later this week as the Knights prepare to host the Niagara Ice Dogs. In the meantime, more games. More games. This is one of the busiest stretches of the London Knights season. They have just wrapped up four consecutive games on the road, and they got four consecutive victories. Went to Flint, won. Went to Sault Ste. Marie, the one where they got in at 4.23 a.m. and played at 2. Yeah, got a victory out of that. Went to Kitchener, shut out the Kitchener Rangers 4 to nothing, and then finished it up with a Sunday evening game in Oshawa where they knocked off the Oshawa Generals by a score of four to two. So if we're going to start with anything and we're going to ask a question later on in the show, and it is, can the London Knights, who went 0-3 to start the year, didn't get a victory for the first couple of weeks, had a lot of their fans wondering what was happening, can the London Knights win the Western Conference this year? We'll ask that question. We'll get Jim Van Horn's thoughts on it in just a little bit. But let's dig into what we've seen over the last couple of weeks and certainly what wrapped up on the weekend in Oshawa because the four consecutive road victories have pushed the London Knights road record to 9-2. and two. That is best in the OHL. 818 winning percentage. They have eight victories in their last nine games. They have some really wild individual performances. Sean McGurn, he sits with points in 12 of his last 13. George Diaco is sitting with all kinds of points and continues to be a catalyst for the London Knights. Denver Barkey is now on an eight-game point streak. He has 11 points over that stretch. He played in front of a lot of friends and family in Oshawa and was dynamite. We see Easton Cowan putting in points. We could basically list off a name. Jackson Edward had a five-game assist streak going for the London Knights. So we could insert a name anywhere and pretty much add some statistics to back up that things are going well. But that's going to happen when you win eight of nine. And then you look between the pipes and you find Brett Brochu over his past three games, Sault Ste. Marie, Kitchener, and Oshawa, his save percentage is at 9.34, and Dylan Hunter, Knights assistant coach, was talking about the fact that Brochu came up big in the third period in Oshawa, and he did. He had four humongous saves, and that helped the London Knights to hang on and win 4-2. to two. But the other part of it is the Knights being able to close out games, and it's something that can be really difficult to do in 2022. It used to be really easy when you could hang on to people, drape yourself all over them. That made it easier. Now it isn't easy to hang on to a lead. So how do you do it? Well, we asked Dylan Hunter. Do it now. So you used to be able to grab onto some people, you know, do some things away from the play. You can't do that anymore. How do you shut down a team in the third? Uh, you know, it's hockey's changed. So it's, uh, you know, it's more about keeping the puck now than just defending it. So... Try not to keep them uh, off the gas pedal as much as you can. Try to make sure you have possession, uh, good cycling down on their end. Try to keep the puck, like I said, out of their hands as, uh, as much as you possibly can. You used to be able to think all defense, the 05 forecheck. 
Can you do anything like that anymore? I mean, you can. I mean, it, I, I guess every it calls for it, uh, you know, in certain aspects of the game. But uh, we were playing pretty well. You know, we had some good juice in our legs still in the third. So we felt like uh, still being aggressive was the right play. Uh, obviously, you just try to tell the guys to stay above the puck. You don't want to, you don't need a goal. So it's like those quick, fast breaks, uh, cheating or anticipating, whichever way you want to call it. Try to bring them back a little bit, come up as a five-man unit. So if anything does turn over, you have numbers back. This is a really busy stretch for your team. But so far, it's been a good stretch. What is it that you're seeing that's helping you win games? I, I think everyone's kind of coming to the table. Uh, you don't have to rely on, uh, you know, one or two guys to carry the mail. I mean, I thought last game, uh, you know, Barks's line was really good. Uh, you know, they kind of took the pressure off uh, Georgie and, uh, and Magoo. And, uh, you know, when you have guys like that stepping up and playing, it's not as hard on, you know, your so-called top guys. So you've got to push. And the Knights did that against the Oshawa Generals. The game was tied 2-2. You also like to get the odd good bounce. And sometimes the bounce isn't the puck. Sometimes the bounce comes from a couple of bodies. On Sunday, as the London Knights and the Oshawa Generals met, Leighton Moore, who is a crafty defenseman, really offensively skilled for Oshawa, is bringing the puck along the blue line. And it was one of those moments, and picture being on a sidewalk, picture being in a grocery aisle, same sort of thing. You go one way, the person in front of you who's coming at you goes the same way. You go the other way, they go the same way. And eventually what happens? You bump into each other. Well, that happened with Leighton Moore and Ben Danford, but it knocked a puck loose and Ben Bajol and Brody Crane went to work on this. Here's what Ben saw. I thought I had a breakaway for a second, but then I seen Craner in the, the back of my eyes, so uh, it's always good to pass it on a 2-1-0 just so both guys can get a point, and uh, he uh, slipped it back to me. It was a hard pass, which was perfect, because uh, any slower, I think the guy would have caught up to me, so it was a good pass, and it was a great play. So you want a hard pass in that situation? Ah, uh, yeah. If the guy's coming on you, like, he was he was right behind me there. I think if it was any softer, he would have lifted my stick, so it was perfect. Yeah. What do you think of the road record you've put together? 9-2. and two. Yeah, I mean... It, it feels great, like, winning here is awesome, and the boys just get along, like, the, the environment's just so much better when we win, and, like, I don't even think we're talking about it too much, because it, it's kind of like, it's what we do here, so we're just game after game, the focusing on that, and, I mean, it's it's good to win, but, like, it, it's it's a great feeling, yeah. And then here is Brody Crane's reaction to this, and we've talked about the Knights having won eight of nine games. Well, guess who has points in eight of nine games? You want to look for a pure catalyst for the team? There's a lot of them, but Brody Crane, he has points in eight of nine games. Here's the way he saw that game winner in Oshawa. My first worry was catching my D in the D zone. I was just skating around, and uh, they bumped into each other, and I took off. So Bougie was in the middle, hit him. And then uh, he gave it back, and I, I didn't want to shoot it, so I gave it back to him, and he buried it. He said you have to make a hard pass yeah. in a case like that. Is that something you thought in your head? Yeah, they had a back checker coming pretty quick, so uh, he gave it to me. I didn't want to shoot, so I just ripped it back at him, and he put it away. What's it like to watch that go in? Uh, it was relieving. I had a little celly to my own there. I curled the other way, but uh, good for him. That's Brody Crane of the London Knights. We also talked about Brett Brochu, and we got some feedback from Chris 
after the game in Oshawa on Sunday. And if you ever want to provide us with feedback, you can certainly do it. Email me, mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can also text us, 519-643-2222. And we got a note from Chris, and Chris said this. He says, Brett Brochu seems to have kicked back in. If he plays at the level he's played at in the last three games, the Knights are a very good team. We caught up with Brett after his shutout against Kitchener. What I said going into the third, I just said, boys, let's let's act like it's a zero-zero hockey game and let's go win this period. Uh, I thought we did a really great job of playing solid defense in front of me, and I was really happy with that. You had some shots that you had to adjust to. There were deflections. You were there. I mean, what was your feel in the net? Just how were you doing? Yeah, I just think uh, my eyes were on it today, and, and there was a lot of bouncing pucks. I just think um, kind of just trying to fight those off and, and keep it in front of me. So. The penalty shot. Did you kind of have a book on, on what might happen in your head? Uh, I, I didn't really know. I just kind of went off of just watching the puck and keeping it simple in my mind. So, um, yeah, no, I, I was glad to make that save. And they like those cross-ice seam passes on the power play. Yeah. And, and were you just getting yourself as, as square as possible? Yeah. You, you seemed to be there before the pass. Yeah, I had to adjust and, and read the play because they do play a little bit differently on their power plays. They like to look for the seams a lot. But um, obviously every team wants to look back door. Um, that's, you know, obviously the best, best chance. So, yeah, just reading the play and going from there. Congratulations. Thank you. Knights began the year 0-3, didn't win for the first two weeks. There were a lot of raised eyebrows because this isn't the way this franchise typically goes. And, hey, every franchise has to go through retooling, rebuilding seasons that don't have you among the top teams. And if that was going to be this season, and if that was going to be this season, that was going to be this season. But then things started to turn around, and things have been turned around for a while now. This isn't just one game. This is eight of nine. This is going back over a full calendar month, and we're seeing a lot of victories piling up. So here's the question, Jim. Can the London Knights win the West? Absolutely. Yes, they can. Um, I think uh, they are in the mix of maybe four or f- four, maybe even five teams that could, depending on how the moves go that you uh, talk about. But absolutely. A um, uh, couple of reasons. Um, the winning percentage, I mean, right there with the in amongst the best. Um, Saginaw uh, is a team that is tops in the conference in terms of winning percentage. And they traded one of their best players. We don't know what they're what their moves are. Uh, they look, you know, they looked for 10 minutes like they were in rebuilding mode. And then they've reeled off. I think it's nine in a row. Um, <laughs> so this is the way you and I have looked at each other at the out of town scoreboard and, and what this actually happened like 10, nothing or whatever, it, whatever the case. Um, I've never seen a Western conference that I can remember so wide open. So usually the team that's um, best, but there's a, there's a, uh, an old theory called organizational inertia, and it was applied by Bill James to the 88 Dodgers. He feels they won that title with their organizational inertia is how he described it. So what it means is that your fundamentals are so solid in your organization that every once in a while, you're going to get a title drop in your lap. And it's, that's oversimplification because they are hard to win. But if you're kind of knocking on the door every year, um, 
every once in a while, the things will add up and uh, all the things will be in place for you because you're always there and because you practice salt. And I think that applies to the London Knights or over the Hunter ownership that sometimes, uh, I mean, they're always there. It never happens easily, but every once in a while, just your strength of fundamentals in terms of developing players, how your players get better, um, you know, the way you cover holes, the way you draft, the way you develop, and then um, consistently you're near the top, and every once in a while the door is going to open for you when maybe you don't expect it. Um, and so I, I, I think this might be one of those years uh, for uh, several organizations, but if you're always there, you've got a chance, and uh, that's what the team's build for is to have that chance every year organizational inertia i love yeah that. and if we think yeah. back the knights have had some times if you go back to 2005 they built for that they said we are going for this year right here but then if we fast forward jim to 2012 they were maybe building toward 2014 at that point, knowing that they were going to have a chance to host another Memorial Cup. So guys like Max Domi and Bo Horvat and Josh Anderson yeah. and Chris Tierney, they were really young in 2012. Could that be an example of organizational inertia for the Knights? Is that what we're talking about? 2012 kind of just happened? I think you're absolutely correct. And, um, you know, you could even... Uh, make a case the next year was kind of the same where yeah we, we were building to 214 but 213 uh, fell in their lap as well when Bo Horvat scored that goal so yes absolutely when you're um, drafting solidly you're accumulating picks typically you're you know you're signing free agents the right free agents you're taking care of your and the you know that um, that uh, Dodger team that we're talking about wasn't a great team in in, in a in amongst the Dodger team, but the Dodger, you know, it's it's about really glaring, covering your glaring weaknesses. Uh, that year, um, you know, and the Knights very rarely have glaring weaknesses. Um, it, the, the certain years, there's a few parts of the game that are better than others, but you never really find those big holes and that's why they make the playoffs every year they you know have better years than some but it was like that dodgers that year and i think you're absolutely right 12 and 13 where i mean you look at uh you know when we thought in 2012 that was a young team you look at the quality of those young players and how many ended up with great national hockey league careers you can see what the back end of that roster was providing the energy and the the get up and go uh, when Max Domi came in that first year, scored 20 goals, you know, as a rookie, you know, you really, um, you really had something. And uh, sometimes you, it, it'll happen before you think they're ready. And that's organizational inertia, good coaching, solid fundamentals all, all the way through. You uh, never have these glaring weaknesses. And then, and this is a, a year when you scan the rest of the Western conference, absolutely. They, they can win it. They'll, you need a, a break or two along the way, but there's no powerhouse team that um, has built for this year that I don't think, uh, you know, makes it impossible to uh, get through the West. Those teams look like they're residing in the East this year. That's right. Ottawa, 
Peterborough's already made moves. North Bay has yeah. made moves. So they're the teams that are trying to get out ahead of everybody else. Jim, the other thing that we need to look at is the road record. The Knights, four wins in a row, have improved their road record to 9-2. and two. It's an 818 winning percentage, which is big. You don't see 818 winning percentages very often anywhere in November. How important do you see the road record of a team as being well as as being a uh, uh, thermometer uh, barometer for later performance i see it um, quite significant because not only the record nine and two but just the way the games have gone the um, uh, i guess from an artistic point of view um the game in uh, windsor was uh just a i guess there's no other way to say it. It was kind of a dominant performance. The game uh, in uh, tough places, there was a point in that Saginaw road victory. I think it was 6-2 going into the third. Um, and then Saginaw scored a couple. So, I mean, these uh, road wins are one thing, but the way the Knights have accomplished these road game, road victories uh, against top-level competition um, would indicate that, uh, that there's a uh, strength there in the team and that when you're in the playoffs and you need a win on the road and you need to pull it out you you uh you can do it and because it's been done in the style of game that they play uh that they played in that Windsor victory and in Owen Sound when they went up there and won and these are the and Saginaw they went to Saginaw and beat the top team by per winning percentage in the Western Conference and had a 6-2 lead going into the third um so you know it was uh it's been really impressive in terms of numbers but equally impressive as far as artistic uh impression in the uh, figure skating vernacular and I think the other thing we've got to look at is the development of players because we always talk about junior hockey you've got to draft them but then you've got to develop them and that well, can be a, a big difference if you can find a way to do both. And not every organization does. Well, exactly. And development means even in the course of a, of a calendar year and a season. Um, so you can assume that the, as, you know, the Knights have been pretty good after a, a bit of a slow start scoring goals. And you can assume that they'll be better in February. They'll be better in March um, and April than they are now. So um, that's the other thing. It's, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's pretty much guaranteed that uh, the way the sort of system works and the continuity and the messaging that the Knights provide, uh, it will, it should be, they should be a better team in March than they are now. Well, the question of can the London Knights win the West, if you'd asked after the first three games of the season, you wouldn't have had a lot of takers. Now, eight wins in nine games, we've got some takers. Jim, thank you for this. Oh, th thank you. Jim Van Horn. I love that. Organizational inertia. Now the Knights go up against the Guelph Storm. We know that a new jersey is going to be unveiled as they take on the Storm, and this will lead to a new line of merchandise. No idea how that happens, how that goes together, but we know that those two things are connected. This has been in the works since June of 2020. It comes to fruition tonight before the game. If you're listening to us after Tuesday, well, then it came to fruition last night, but this is big. Check it out. Look on London Knights socials for either hints or the big reveal, or if you were in the seats you got a chance to see it all by yourself so playing the Guelph Storm 
isn't a gimme. The Storm have struggled in giving up an awful lot of goals this year. That's been the problem early on in the fact that the Storm currently sits with 19 points, point ahead of the Kitchener Rangers now. They've climbed out of the bottom in the Western Conference. They're 8-12-2-1. They used to be 4-12-2-1. They're actually unbeaten in their last five. They've won four games in a row. So has there been something that happened? Well, there has been. And it's a guy with a London Knights connection. The addition of Max Nemesnikov, who when he was eight years old, sat in the stands at Budweiser Gardens with this great big horn. Maybe you sat near him and maybe you went, who is that kid who keeps blowing that green horn? Well, that's what he did. And he always seemed to have this knack. When he blew the horn, the Knights were about to score. His brother, Vladislav Nemesnikov, was playing for the Knights. The Knights went all the way to a championship that year. That was 2012 that Jim Van Horn was just talking about. And Max Nemesnikov has injected new life into this team that should be better than what their record even says now. This is a team with an awful lot of talent. They've added Max. They won four straight. He has nine points in four games as a member of the Guelph Storm. Those who follow the Storm closely say Danny Zilkin needed someone he could skate with. And Nemesnikov, who came over from the Sarnia Sting in a trade that also brought the Storm some draft picks and sent Sasha Pastajov to the Sarnia Sting, Nemesnikov is that guy. Abracadabra, instant number one line. You have Max Nemesnikov playing with Danny Zilkin and Matthew Poitra. And they have become a really difficult line to deal with. And maybe this helps to take some of the pressure off the back end on the Guelph Storm. Cam Allen is in his draft year. He's a guy who will likely go high in the NHL entry draft. Had a sensational season as a rookie with the Guelph Storm. Paired with Michael Bushinger, who was another rookie. And these two went to work last year. And oftentimes they were Guelph's number one pairing. Coming into this year... It's been a bit of a slower start for Cam Allen, and I think we start to see him pick up from this point on because, again, things start going in a good direction. You've got a number one line who will carry play the other way, who makes the other teams have to adjust, and that's something that Guelph was missing. And if they can get some strong defensive play, something that they've been working on over the last little while, they've got a new coach, they went through a bump at the beginning of the year when Scott Walker was going to return behind the bench, and then all of a sudden he didn't. They have allowed 109 goals, which through 23 games is a high. Now, per game, it's not. Niagara right now has the most goals against per game in the league, but Guelph is trying to bring that down a little bit. They are playing much better hockey, and wouldn't you know, this is the first meeting of the season between the Knights and the Storm. So, New Jersey being unveiled, and we'll see what it looks like. We'll talk about that in our next episode. We'll also talk about a game between the London Knights and the Erie Otters, because the Knights go to Erie as this very busy stretch continues. Erie had been playing really well. They'd even beaten the Ottawa 67s, handed Ottawa their second loss of the year and put the 67s into a three-game tailspin before they pulled out of that. So Erie is 0-2 in their last two games. They're back home. They're looking to take advantage. Remember, that is a 6.30 puck drop. You can hear the pregame show on 980 CFPL starting at 6 o'clock on Wednesday night. 
if you want to check out the Knights and the Otters. London will come home to face Niagara on Friday night, December the 2nd. Then they play their final road game before the holiday break, and that will be in Mississauga on Sunday, December the 4th, and then it's a six-game homestand to complete things, and we'll continue to follow every bit of it. Kyle Grimard will return on Thursday. Thanks so much for listening today. This has been another episode of Night Shift.